We got a bunch of fines, got back, zero sales. So again, it goes back to the trial and error, not be afraid to take those risks, even those crazy risks. Because sometimes those crazy ideas, yeah, they work. They work. Hey, what's going on? I'm Benjamin Gottlieb, and you are listening to Shopify On Location, a special series from the podcast team. We're back in Montreal this week, hanging out with entrepreneurs who call this city home. You know, sometimes all it takes is one moment, one single moment that can set your idea down the path of becoming a successful, sustainable business. The trick is to be ready when it comes around. But don't take my word for it. I'm in studio today with Artem Kuzmachev and Richard Mabley. They are two of the co-founders of the Montreal-based brand Transformer Table. And at its core, the company makes multi-purpose furniture. Tables that can expand, retract, and their moments? One viral video that's among the most watched product clips on Instagram ever. Gentlemen, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Always a pleasure. We just met. Always a pleasure. I know, I know, I know. Well, fellas, let's get into it. Your viral Instagram video. So many entrepreneurs have that goal, right? They're waiting for that moment. They would do anything for it. Walk us through how that happened. How did you create such a viral moment? Well, okay, so I'll start here. And it's just one of the viral videos. So this this really is the one, though. So, and I'll, I'll have to take it back a bit to give you a bit of an idea of of why we did it, well, and how we did it, or we tried to do it. So this entire company basically started from a viral video. In 2016, uh, one of the co-founders, Alex, just took a camera, went to his place, and filmed this table that we had. So that video got 5 million views in a week on Facebook in 2016, completely organically. And we thought, okay, that's a lot. we got something here. And uh, many, many years, you know, pass, and the same, but in a much bigger effect. So... Another video goes viral. So we started our influencer program that year. So in September, I believe, where we basically share product in return for content. So Russia, who still to this day, we have a good relationship with and, you know, we send her flowers and we talk to her all the time. We and this is other... the person who's in the yeah, video. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So she she makes a video and we didn't like the first one she made, to be honest with you. And we waited a few months, like a month, month or two months go by. And she's like, you know what? Let me try. Let me try another time. And and she was about to post it, and uh, we're like, okay, no, redo this again. So it was a bit a bit of a back and forth, you know. And then she's like, no, I like this one. I'm gonna post it. I'm like, okay, post it. And within days, like minutes, days, hours, like it just kept going, 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 going. Millions, millions, millions of views, and we were just like, wow, when is it gonna stop? Like it's it crazy. Uh, I uh, yeah. I remember that moment when that first happened. At first, I'm not really on the influencer side of things, so. And I'm really not a tech guy. I'm not. I'm the sales guy. So I'm really hands-on. I go talk to people. I go meet the people. I go play golf with guys, you know? That's that's my role. Yeah. And the thing is, I remember that day when we saw that influencer video go viral. And it's just seconds. Like million, two million, three million. And we Artem people, was going from... crazy. I was like, guys, 10, <laughs> 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And then, like, hitting 131 million, it's... It's actually in the top 10 just most viewed videos on Instagram, just total in general, and especially for a furniture company collaboration with an influencer. Like, it is literally the number one video of a product on Instagram. This video was last year, 131 million downloads and counting. 
it's an incredible story, but from what I'm hearing from you two, it just kind of happened. I mean, what was it about the video itself that you've, now that you're looking back at it, what was it that made the video so popular? And it's a good question because it's really tough to understand how the algorithm works and like what is going to go viral, what is not going to go viral. And actually most of the stuff doesn't go viral. But when yeah. you, when, you, when the stars align and you hit those, you know, specifics and I'll tell you, I have an idea of why it went viral. So, so the audience of this influencer was not only U.S. based, it was also a lot of Middle East, it was European audience. So it was kind of spread around the world. What we think and how we think the Instagram platform works is that on the first amount of time that the video is posted, it gets pushed to different people. And if those people start sharing it, then it picks up, picks up, and eventually goes viral. So because her audience was not only U.S.-based, and I'm assuming that a lot of people in the U.S. have seen our product, you know, it was less shareable for the U.S., but it was a lot more shareable for the rest of the world. So I think... Folks hadn't seen anything like no, that before. No, no, no. And actually, a lot of her audience is in the Middle East. So it just went ballistic. We were on TV in Lebanon. I had people from Dubai call me and say, dude, have you seen this? I was like, yes, I've seen it. We did it. It was just an incredible moment. And it's definitely a huge milestone because it's it's not easy to do this. But and I'm one very thing proud. that's also important to mention was we're an action kind of team. Uh, when we see an opportunity, we take it and we go for it. And once we saw that rash of video, we didn't wait one second and we sent a container. We sent a container containers. to Dubai. Containers, yeah, containers. To Dubai. And sales, sales. One second, just, boom, we're boom, on boom, a boom. roll. So to make sure that you had the stuff stocked there yeah, ready to buy. Yeah, and it just, just, it just kept going. It we, just, we, we did the math. We're like, okay, 131 million views. Let's say 0.1% of those people want to buy. It's great. It's a good market. So uh, I think that's one of the great values and also the great kind of attitude we have in the company is that the thing is we're able to take those risks and willing to take those risks, moving, you know, moving stocks that's, from. That's really how we grew. Like we just. We didn't know anything about Dubai. About anything. <laughs> we yeah. didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> yeah. You've heard it right here, everyone listening right now. You don't need to know anything. No, I'm just yeah. joking. No, but fellas, <laughs> if, we, if we could take a step back. So it's one thing to have a viral video, right? There are viral videos every day, every hour, every minute, all over the world. It's another thing to take a video like that and turn it into sales, to be ready to sell what you've got after the product goes viral. So Richard, if I could ask you, how did your team get in the right position to, okay, we're going now when this happens, just in case something happens like this, we're ready to go. How'd you guys put yourself in that position? On the B2B side, this is a unique kind of opportunity that we saw where I was like, okay, well, on the B2B side, we hadn't really kind of navigated the influencer marketing with our present retailers. At the moment, we had Costco. Costco was our big client in Canada. We just started in the US and we were killing it on Costco. So then since that video, obviously a lot of it was in the, in the Middle East. So obviously I had that opportunity. It's like, wow, if there's an opportunity there, why not look at different retailers and position ourselves to be that kind of modular mm -hmm. piece of furniture that's kind of authentic, premium, also, because Rasha, that influencer, has that kind of premium look, yeah. you know, she's a woman that has a family mm -hmm. and it, it was perfect targeting for basically our consumers. And on the B2B side, we're like, you know what? Let's try this. Let's try to adapt mm -hmm. influencer with retail. And to be honest, in the industry of retail, it was unheard of. Most retailers, what happens, you go into Costco. What do you do? You think, hey, I get I get lost in Costco. I got a wallet. <laughs> I got a wallet. It's a cool wallet. All right, I'm going to sell it to Costco. What do you do? 
let's just sell it to Costco. And then you see the type of sales. We never really took that like that. We're like, you know what? Let's drive sales. Let's drive the consumer. So then Costco started seeing, wow, this company is driving new members to our retail stores. But it's People, important to say that we took the influencer program and we pushed it to Costco, yeah. meaning that we found influencers that were Costco-specific like they call it Costco finds. So they go to Costco, they film themselves like finding oh, new yeah, products. Oh yeah, I've seen them, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we took all of them. We found all, all of them on Instagram. And you said, hey, review our stuff. Yeah, we're in Costco. Go to Costco, shoot our product, and our Costco sales just went ballistic. In May, it was uh, mm. over over 3 million just for Costco online. Wow. It was crazy, just that influencer yeah. push. It was insane. Yeah. But then the perfect example of that, what's cool talking about influencer, is Mexico. Yeah, Costco Remember Mexico. Remember when we launched yeah. Mexico? And to be honest, this is a funny story. So <laughs> Mexico, well, we love funny stories. So Mexico ahead. is such a unique market. Uh, I'm not discouraging people to go to Mexico. However, be ready, you know? So when you, mean, you when you say go to Mexico, you mean so, you're selling in Mexico. Uh, selling to Mexico. Right. Be ready because the taxation system is different. The custom system is different. Everything is different. And the thing is the way consumer react and act and think are completely different. But when we did launch Mexico, we're like, you know what? We got Costco. Well, Costco has 40 stores in Mexico. You know what? Instead of going all in, you know what? Let's start with Costco. So what we did is my colleague Mauricio found an influencer. So we took that Russia kind of influencer idea and brought it to Mexico to launch Costco. Senor de Costco reached 9.5 million views in a month. We were the most viewed video on her influencer page. Then Costco Mexico, their official account says, wow, this is incredible. It says, okay, I'll post it too. We became the most viewed video yeah. on their Instagram account, but tenfold. Yeah, like Most five, of five million, like I believe. 5,000, wow. 10,000. We reached four point something million yeah. views. You've both, and the, the entire company has been very successful leaning into influencer marketing. Yeah. Today I'm chatting with Artem Kuzmachev and Richard Mabley. They are two of the co-founders of Transformer Table here in Montreal. Artem, if I could, you have taken a lot of what a traditional company might do and outsource and you brought it in-house, right? You've got PR, Content creation, yep. Yep. It's, pretty, it's pretty evident with what you've been able to do here uh, with the influencer marketing campaign, which has been very successful. Why? Why not outsource this stuff to people that do it every day? Why bring it in-house? Well, first of all, I don't like to say I. I like to say it as a team. We did it, and that's how we got here, actually, by being a team. And that's actually the core of why we decided to bring everything in-house. And our entire company and our entire, all the teams that kind of combined to make this beehive, that's what we like to call it in reality, because it's... It's all working together. It's like many companies working within one company for one major goal. But the reason why we decided to bring everything in house is uh, for sure because of speed, because of the time it takes to do things. When you have people in house in the building, the synergy exists where people talk to each other all the time. And we like to call our company family. And it really is a family company. Like I'll give you an example. My wife works for this company. Even my dad works for for us at the company. Like Soslan and Zara, they're also family. We have other many other couples who are married in the company also. So it's really, really like a family. When I say it, I really mean it. And that works to your benefit, you think? Of course, of course, because people care. Everybody cares. Nobody's going to just leave not finishing what they wanted to finish. And bringing everything in the house gives you such a control in terms of how things happen and what actually comes out of it. Like I told you before, we were chatting, like our marketing team consisted of four people two years ago. Now we're almost 20 people. 
So it's so we have an entire video production team. We have our own 20,000 square foot studio in Montreal here. That's a very big studio. I mean, we have everything state of the art, like equipment, everything, everything that we build ourselves here locally. We have a social media team. We have an influencer marketing team. We have our designer that's in-house. We have our development team that's in-house. We have our, our media buying that's in-house. So a photographer in-house. Manufacturing. Like, manufacturing. So the, so the list goes on. But, you know, yeah. if, I, if I can drill in on this one point, which I think is sure. kind of interesting, you have this really huge success because of a viral video. And when you're working with an influencer, sure, you have maybe an influencer marketing person. But at the end of the day, the story you just told me, the influencer said, you know what? I'm just going with this video. This is what I want to do. So you have to kind of cede some control. Yeah, right. For sure. So, so yeah. how do you how do you deal with this this kind of uncomfortable space of wanting to bring things in house, wanting to be family, but also realizing that sometimes you got to just kind of let it go and let and let the let the waters take it where it goes. I think it's a good mix of uh, knowing what you're doing, a little bit of luck, and just a lot of hard work. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. If if you're if you're there and you're doing the most you can for 18 hours a day, 15 hours a day, and like that's I think that's the best advice I can ever give to somebody. If you try hard enough, you're gonna get it. Eventually you're gonna get it. For folks listening to this program, a lot of folks that are listening that tune into our program, they are curious. They want to emulate the success that a business like yours has had. How do you know when to bring this stuff in-house? I would imagine when you're small, you don't have the capital to hire an influencer marketing team or a PR team, a uh, production team to build a big studio. When do you make that call? How do you make that decision? Well, ideally, um, you should not hire outside. That's just my opinion because, believe me, when it was just seven of us in that small little office and we all had 15,000 jobs each and we had to wear different hats. And Richard, I'm sure like you can oh, yeah. shine in on this. because You wanted to hire folks when that was happening, right? Trust me. Well, first of all, like like I said, like the focus and what you have control on, it's in your, in your building, right? So I would advise not to hire outside help. I would just always say do the best you can yourself because you're the one that controls your result. You can rely on yourself. Part of just expanding on what Artem is saying about trying hard enough, it's also about trial and error. Remember when we had the idea of <laughs> buying that pickup truck and setting up that mechanism yeah. in that table, and then we yeah. drove it down to Manhattan, and we're like, <laughs> this is going to work. This is great. It literally People had a mechanism. React. We had a mechanism. Yeah. A mechanism on, on a pickup truck to on do what? back of a pickup truck. Close and open the table. It would close and open the table, but people wouldn't even get it. It's a, it's a table. <laughs> They just look at it bizarrely and be like, "What? What? What's this?" <laughs> so we basically, me and Sauce, <laughs> we drove down to Manhattan, stayed there for three days, and just parked the truck in different. It, it didn't work. Got a bunch of fines and came back. That's it. And we, we got a bunch of fines, got back zero sales. So again, it goes back to the trial and error. Not be afraid to take those risks. Even those crazy risks, because sometimes those crazy ideas, yeah, they work. Well, they work. Well, uh, just just hanging out with you two, you're both hilarious. I love the story. Uh, I'm chatting with Artem and Richard from Transformer Tables, and I just let's hold that thought for a moment. A plea to our audience, to you listening right now. If you're enjoying our program, please do us a favor. Let us know with a comment, review us, or hit the follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. That way, you'll never miss an episode. And thank you so much. 
I'm back with Artem and Richard from Transformer Tables. So back in 2016, when the business was first starting, you had a few sales, but it wasn't until you entered this trade show in Toronto that things really started to take off and you got into the retail space, right? Walk us through how that happened. That's a cool story. Uh, so meanwhile, Artem and Alex, they're doing their business on Shopify. Actually, we weren't even no, on we Shopify were, we're back on, then. We were building our first website yeah, on Wix on ourselves. Wix. It was Wix. I'm not advertising Wix, though. Uh, Shopify is the best. So this is kind of looking at the whole business and how we did things. I used to work in aerospace and defense. So before coming in and deciding to uh, join the company and start selling tables, I used to sell armored vehicles. <laughs> so kind of a different Hence kind the of, truck idea, is that right? Hence the truck <laughs> idea, exactly. So it says, it works in aerospace defense, it'll work for tables. So uh, I had some government contacts and I said, you know what? I, it's been a year, remember? It was mm -hmm. a grueling year for me yeah. because I was in B2B and my goal was to sign big clients, big customers, retailers. These guys were making sales and I was just there pushing and pushing and struggling. And I says, I got, I gotta, I gotta sign somebody. You know, I need to get my my groove, my vibe on. So I contacted my government folks and they said, oh, there's a trade show in Toronto about retail. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So me and Sus, we asked his father for the minivan. We didn't even have a car back then. <laughs> so we hop into the minivan and we're like, all right, let's go to Toronto to this trade show. And on the way, me and Sus were, were chatting and it says Sus was, wasn't in a good mood. And he says, nah, I don't know where we're going here. This is going to be, it's not going to work. Blah, 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 blah. So I says, okay, Sus. There's a two-day trade show. I promise you, let's bet right now. Whoever doesn't does 100 push-ups, I'm going to sign at least minimum one big retailer at this show. So you if set that I, goal for yourself. I set that goal for myself. Sus is like, ah, you're never going to do it. <laughs> we get there, day one, nothing, nothing. Not even one person talking. And then I didn't sleep well. Okay, day two, I'm like, I got to do this. I got to do it. Motivate myself. I says, you know what? I have these flyers. I'm going to go to every single table at this show. And I'm going to ask them if they know Transformer Table. And chances are they don't. I started in. I got in. I went to, I think. I, and these are paper flyers you had printed out. These are paper flyers. Like, it didn't look like nothing. So I would just go in and say, do you know Transformer Table? Do you know Transformer Table? And then at one point, there was one lady. I still remember this lady. She was sitting alone at this big round table. I said, next to her, she says, oh, do you know Transformer Table? I says, I don't, but this is a really cool product. You guys should really sell it to Costco. <laughs> I'm there. I'm like, of course. <laughs> right. So it says, oh, you should go uh, meet Guillaume. My friend. Right. My friend. Yeah. The buyer. Yeah. I'm like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Obviously, I didn't have enough money to actually pay for the seminars. <laughs> so what I did, took my flyers. Stayed in front of room 106 for about half an hour and waited for people to come out. And at one point, the Costco buyers came out. And believe it or not, I went in and I said, hey, guys, are you Guillaume? I said, yeah, that's me. And he says, do you know Transformer Table? He looks at the flyer. He says, my wife's been trying to sell me this table that she's <laughs> been seeing on Facebook for the past three months. So just serendipitously, you're in the right place at the right time. At the time. right time. You know, these learnings, it's a great story. And these learnings, sometimes when people listen, they're like, yeah, right. That's not going to happen to me. 
right? Like that, that, that is so cliche, like right place, right time. Like if yeah, you try hard happen. enough, it's going to happen. So then what is it? How do you know what to go to, what not to go to, where, when to build the, the truck and drive it to Manhattan, when to go to the yeah. trade zone, Toronto? I mean, how do you, how do you identify if you're trying to advise someone, how do you identify those moments? I, I think I'll take that rich. I think the, like, I think the, the key to this is for us, we had seven just crazy guys that all had different skills and different abilities and different things they were good at. These so, are the seven co-founders. Yeah, and I'll name them because I want to make sure they're they're shouted out here, obviously, because they deserve it that. So it's me, Artem, Richard, Saslan, Zaur, Cedric, Holland, and Alex. So it's seven of us. Completely different people. Completely different walks of life. Completely different skills. But when this group came together, it was just fireworks because the ideas were just completely on other side like of of the magnet like they were just completely different so what that created is that rolling ball effect that like okay let's try this no let's try this no let's try that and it, it's continuing to this day we're doing this and we're trying different things every single day doesn't work okay maybe we'll try it later again it's just continuous entrepreneurship like want to succeed and how do you succeed just by trying because if you sit there you're not trying anything you're not going to get anywhere and I think just that energy and that that want to try new things every single day is what gives us, you know, that ability to be successful. And it sounds like, too, that your team is also built off of each other, right? Absolutely. So you're, so you're gaining energy, you're gaining momentum from collaborating with your fellow co-founders, which For is incredible. Sure. I think a lot of the entrepreneurial story is the one person and their journey from item to success. But really, you've leaned into this familial aspect, which I think is Really cool. Gentlemen, if we can take a step forward now, you've been very successful, especially as you mentioned the last year or so, maybe a little bit more, selling abroad. And as we know, selling in different countries has different issues attached to it, right? A country might have a different tax law, a different tariff law, shipping could be an issue. Can you walk me through some of the challenge that you've faced working in other countries and some advice you might have for folks who want to do that? So I think we can both answer yeah, that question definitely. because we Go both ahead, kind of yeah. uh, work in different uh, different side of the business, but both internationally, and both comes with different challenges. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on the B two B side, obviously, uh, I channel my launches internationally with my retailers. And what do you mean by that? So look at Costco. Costco is a worldwide partner for us, so that's a channel for me. So being successful in Canada made me successful in the U.S. How do you think I got into Mexico? It was one phone call. One phone call so to my partner. U.S. buyer. And my U.S. buyer saw the good sales and said, you know what? Let's let's introduce Richard to Gabriella. So in terms of reaching out to the international markets, the way I do it on the B2B side is piggybacking over my large retailers. It's an easy way in and also an easy way out if it doesn't work. So you don't have to invest all that, all those funds and the cash flow that you possibly probably need for the rest of your operations that's funding your international endeavors. So piggybacking over Costco was the way to go. So have you, have you found a place where you're like, you know what, transformer table just doesn't work in this country? At this point, no. I don't think it's, we found that it doesn't work. It's just, it actually works in a lot of places. And, and I'll, the, the, moment, the moment that we knew that it was working in, in other countries is... Uh, we've actually ran, I think, five Kickstarters yeah. until now. And, well, the last one was a while ago. But 
and the company also kind of started an, like, on Kickstarter platform. So the first Kickstarter we did was a uh, 120K, no advertising, just pure organic stuff. So the next one we did as well, the third one was the big one. We hit a million dollars and we're like, wow, that's, it's a million dollars. That's not bad. But the fourth one we did, it was over 4 million Canadian. But what that showed us is that people from all over the world were purchasing this product. So we saw, okay, we got a pocket in Germany. That, that's a big pocket of customers that people like our product in Germany. We started to focus on Germany later on. Obviously, we kind of been an international company all the time because we are Canadian, but most of our sales come from the U.S., so it is international. So we expanded to U.S. with our own warehousing and, you know, putting more money in advertising and working on different programs to sell our products there. Like Germany, there's France, there's, you know, other, other countries, especially the U.K., which is a good opportunity for us for Costco and for uh, B2C as well. So, But really, I think... To answer the question, has it really not worked anywhere? No, it's just, have we put enough effort there to make sure it works? I was just going to say it's focus. Yeah. It's being able to sell there. For example, Mexico, at the beginning, we would sell it the same way as we sell it in Canada, U.S., but it's not the same market. We realized quickly that in Mexico, people are very familial. And it's very family-oriented, very communal kind of uh, culture in Mexico. When I first visited Mexico for business, I was there in Mexico City. Everywhere I went. Nobody was alone at restaurants. Nobody was even two. There were five, 10, 15, 20. The, the restaurants were full. So that gave me the idea. I said, wow, they might not have the money for it, but if we get financing for them or we get a retailer to yeah, finance like Costco, them, yeah. they'll buy it. And in Costco, Mexico, at the moment, we are the best-selling dining table, I think, ever. They were so impressed with our results, and that basically gave us wings internationally as well. So, I mean, having this relationship with Costco has been huge for you, of course, made possible by your hard work, by the legwork you put in going to these shows, um, also the viral marketing that's been going on with your, your influencer campaign, really an impressive uh, array of, of things you guys have going on. Uh, gentlemen, if I could, before we close, just one more question about social media, because it just changes so much. And now with Meta and Threads, we have a new challenger to Twitter. I'm sure you have an idea about how you might want to approach that. I'm just curious, how do you stay on top of these new trends, of these new things that are happening on social media and um, make sure that you continue to have this really strong presence? That's a very good question because I think it's the ultimate question, to be honest with you, for a lot of people because at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want every day to build your company, but if you're not following the path of, you know, the, the running water of the world, because at the end of the day, that's what it is. So we continuously monitor the trends. We continuously see the opportunities that, you know, are around us. And it's just important to be on top of these things. And that's it. I mean, you really have to hone in on daily to make sure you're one step ahead. So what do you think is the next frontier, the next spot where, where people are going to make in their sales? Uh, I don't think it's threads because it's just like Twitter, but I know people say like, okay, meta is kind of dying and this, and you know what? We're still seeing amazing results. From from advertising on meta? Of course. We're seeing amazing results from all, all social media platforms. It's just, you have to adjust. Like, when you're growing a business, you new things always come up. And I think, you know, when you have people who are dedicated to the success of these campaigns, you're not going to fail. You just need to keep on pushing and and. and You'll, you'll get there. I think the future, to just go back to your question, is diversification. I think one of the big challenges that we had throughout the beginning of the company was, okay, 
Costco and Facebook, Costco, Facebook, Costco, Facebook. It's like, okay, what happens if Costco drops? What happens if Facebook becomes not a thing anymore? So then we're in a situation where it's like, what do we do? So Get all I your eggs in one basket. You got you it. Know, right? So then we started pushing. So on my end, I started going, uh, we, we talked about BJ's earlier before the podcast. Right. And then Sam's and then Nebraska and all other retailers in, in the U.S. and then other retailers in Mexico and Europe is a new frontier for us in terms of department stores or retail, but also on the social media side of things, we started doing, you can talk a little bit more about that, yeah, but we started sure. doing more Pinterest. We started doing more, yeah. well, you have to spreading, Instagram, basically diversifying to other, YouTube other channels. And different channels and trying TikTok. Like we tried a TikTok video for Costco and it blew it out of the water. Imagine TikTok is like, why, how? <laughs> you know, it's just, again, yeah. the trial and error. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that a little bit more. And diversification obviously is also key to any business, really. But especially being in e-commerce, like your business is online and you have your B2B side, like Richard is talking about. For us, I think the next steps are, um, apart from the few partnerships that I can't talk about right now, uh, <laughs> which are huge, by the way. And you guys all have known, known these companies for a long time. And uh, soon you guys will see it. Um a big strategy that we've been talking about is kind of putting a celebrity face on the brand. And it's, I think this is our next step. Having a, a famous face to the brand is something we're looking forward to doing. And I think this will be another big, uh, big hit for us this year. So, well, gentlemen, it's been such a pleasure. So fun to talk with you. Really good energy in here. And really on top of all of it, some great learnings for our audience. Artem Kuzmachev and Richard Mabley, two of the co-founders of Transformer Table. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, so you ben. Much. Thank you, Ben. And thank you for joining us for this special episode. Our show is produced by Gogo Zoger and Megan Coyle. Engineers, Matt Schwartz and Miku Betlam. Schwangester Shan is our senior producer and our host. Special thanks to Eric Gendron and Audio Z for production assistance here in Montreal. And I'm Benjamin Godley. Come hang out with me and the rest of the team next week, same time, same place, for more episodes from Montreal. Montreal.